Welcome to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. My name is Andrea Wilson-Woods, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Cancer U. Join me each week as I interview cancer patients, caregivers, survivors, and providers about their cancer journeys. You're listening to Cancer Youth Thrivers, where real people share true stories. Dr. Veronique Desonier, better known as Dr. V, is the founder of Breast Cancer Conqueror and the Seven Essentials System and co-founder of My Breast Friend. Her signature process has empowered thousands of women in over 56 countries around the world. Thank you, Dr. V, so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me on here, Andrea. I'm really excited to be part of your Cancer You community. I'm so excited too. So I can't wait. I know you have a lot to share. So can you take us back from the very, to the very beginning of, of your cancer journey? Well, it started a long, long time ago, uh, 2004, really. I'd been in uh, practice for only three years at the time. And my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he was basically sent home to die. Told him, they told him he had six weeks to live, given no hope. Mm-hmm. And being a chiropractor and in the wellness industry, I felt that there should have been hope. There should have been something that he could have clung to. But, you know, unfortunately for him, it was too late. You know, he bought into the model that he would be dead in six weeks and he was. Um, <sighs> so I really, you know, I took that, that hurt and that frustration and, I started digging, doing some research, called some cancer clinics, which were few and far between back then, did my own research at the library, right, 1983, no internet, that's when, you know, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, you know, I realized that there was some things that could have been done for him, but it was, it was too late, so I, I took that fire in my belly and started applying in my practice and saw some amazing results, so now fast forward, you know, 23 years I've been in practice, and um, I was in the shower getting ready for work. I typically did a breast exam because my mom had breast cancer. And bam, you know, found that lump that changed the course of my life, you know, professionally and personally forever. So it was, it was quite a wake up call because here I was Dr. V, right? Teaching people about wellness and trying to, you know, give them principles of, of health and wellness. And yet, you know, here I was facing breast cancer. So that led me down the path of, you know, what did I miss? What was I doing wrong? Um, you know, what pieces of the puzzle did, did I not get? Because I thought I was doing everything right. Like I hear that with a lot of our clients. You know, I, I ate well, I ate organic before organic was in style. I had home births, I breastfed my kids, exercise, chiropractic care, you know, everything right. But then I realized that there were some pieces that I was missing. So I was frustrated like any other woman. I was confused at times. I was overwhelmed at times. And I I just felt that there had to be an easier way to put all these natural principles together. So I wasn't jumping all over the place. And that's when I created the step-by-step guide called the seven essential system. So it's a seven step process that if you follow, you never have to fear cancer or any dis-ease again. Can you take us back though, when you first felt that lump, you're a chiropractor, you've been in practice for a long time, you saw what happened with your father. 
what were your next steps then? What were the very next things that, that you did? Well, I, I basically started digging into the literature and started looking at my options. I had uh, a few doctors, medical doctors that were also in the um, alternative health world. You know, back then it was not as many as there are now. They were, I guess, functional doctors, integrative doctors. And uh, one of them was very key in, in helping me to sort everything out and, and recognize, you know, cancer is just the symptom. It's not the cause, which, you know, I knew that I had to address, you know, what was the underlying root cause. So I basically started putting together a protocol and just went to work. Wow. Would you share what that protocol was? Sure. We did, I did a lot of high dose proteolytic enzymes. And so enzymes are, um, think of them like little Pac-Man. They go in there and they start weakening the cell wall of the cancer cell because the cancer cell is, um, you know, has 17 layers of, of fibrin, you know, very tough protein, which is why it's difficult for things to penetrate. And so it starts eating that up and weakening the cancer cell wall, which makes it more vulnerable to the immune system and allows things to enter the cancer cell more easily. Uh, I did a series of homeopathic treatments, botanicals, you know, lots of botanicals, lots of herbs, different supplements, trace minerals. Um, I looked at, you know, some blood work in areas that I was deficient. Thyroid issues were there. Um, I did a lot of cleansing, you know, coffee enemas, colonics, all of that. And, um, you know, I took targeted you know, things, herbs like uh, bloodroot, you know, bloodroot is, is an herb that has a nutrient in it called sanguinarine and sanguinarine targets cancer cells. It's like an herbal chemotherapy, basically. And so, you know, fast forward a couple of years, then I, I was clear, you know, I was no longer actively cancering or producing cancer. And so I was good. I was good for about nine years. And then um, when I sold my practice in 2010, and I started sharing my personal healing journey from 2004 through 2006, I created the website, you know, Breast Cancer Conqueror, and one thing led to another. I mean, I had no idea, you know, that people from all over the, the world would be contacting us. <laughs> and after being a coach, uh, you know, breast cancer coach for about five years, um, I felt that lump again. Same and place. I, same place. Yeah. Wow. You know, my, my gut told me, I mean, I, I wasn't feeling well. I was overworked, overstressed. I was taking on all this energy from women who had breast cancer, right? I was, you know, a woman on a mission, working from sunup to sundown, and, you know, my hormones were out of balance, wasn't sleeping well, and I just, you know, created the perfect storm again for cancer to show up again. So from 2015 through 2018, this time it took me three years. And I was a little, little bit more intense because I had more updated information. I did, I did work with a functional doctor and I was getting lots of um, vitamin C IVs and poly and BA IVs and all kinds of things. And did a lot of um, testing outside of traditional medicine, which we can get into with one of the essentials, but really, you know, kept a pulse on my health. And I stopped coaching. I trained two other coaches, certified coaches, so that, you know, they could take over the charge. And um, now basically, I'm, you know, the face of the company wrote, wrote a book and do what I do. So we still, you know, we host retreats, uh, virtual now, obviously, because of COVID. But, uh, you know, we've hosted many retreats over the years, and we bring women together. And we've created community, because as you know, 
it can be a very lonely journey, right? People right. have no clue where to start, what to do, and, and we offer that platform. So we kind of talk them off the, the ledge after once they're first diagnosed, because it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Just so people understand, did you do what would be considered traditional treatment of any kind? And if so, what was that? I did no traditional treatments at all. Okay. No, no chemo, no radiation, no surgery. And the treatments that you did do, I mean, how does one access those, you know, and, and, and afford those treatments? So can you tell us a little bit about just sort of the practical part of that? There's, there's all kinds of different programs out there. I mean, the part of the, the system that I use that I created, the 70 essential system, I mean, it's, it starts with basics. So essential number one is, is your food. And, you know, let food be your medicine because you have to realize that what you put in your body is going to, you know, create or, or not create your health, right? So we really, we, you know, dive in real deeply with our, our clients about what to eat and what not to eat. The first thing you want to avoid is sugar because we know sugar feeds cancer. And uh, we show them, you know, there's no one cookie cutter diet. There's a different tests that you can do to see uh, what foods best support your genome or your, you know, your genetics, because there may be some weaknesses there that need to be supported. 80% raw, a lot of plant-based, but a little bit of protein if you need it, um, you know, and then monitoring your sugar, monitoring um, your HbA1c, you know, you want to make sure that you're working on the low carb lots of good fats. It doesn't necessarily have to be in ketosis all the time, but you want to be able to, you know, make sure that you're really down-regulating your sugars because, you know, too much sugar or too much protein is going to stir up some of those cancer pathways, right? Like the mTOR pathway is going to produce cancer cells. So food is, is very, very foundational. What about the actual testing? As you mentioned a couple of times, testing, different blood tests. I mean, how does how does the average person get access to something like that, which, you know, I assume some sort of more basic, like a CBC or chem panel might be covered by insurance, but some of the tests you're talking about, I don't think would be covered. So how, how did you go about even getting those tests? Uh, well, for one thing, I could, I could write my own prescription for the test. That's and true. Then I did, <laughs> okay. I did, but then I also had, you know, medical doctor, if there were some tests that were, you know, that I couldn't write as a chiropractor. Um, but, you know, a lot of this information is outlined in this book, Heal Breast Cancer Naturally, and that's part of essential number seven. So first of all, basic things, you want to make sure that your vitamin D levels are optimal, right? Therapeutic range for vitamin D is between 80 and 100 NGs per ml. Typical oncologists will look at vitamin D and if it's in the 30s, they say it's fine. Well, it's not. You know, the research shows that the, the vitamin D is critical, not only in preventing breast cancer, but also in helping to heal. Um, is that specific for women or is that for men too? For everybody. Oh, okay. Any, any, yeah, for everybody. And then um, looking at, you know, trace minerals, like you want to test your magnesium, your RBC magnesium, you know, you want to make sure that you've got enough selenium and zinc in your, in your body. Um, there's tests that we call uh, inflammatory tests. So uh, C-reactive protein, uh, LDH, ESR, those are all indications that there's inflammation and if there's lots of inflammation in the body chances are you're actively producing cancer so these are simple blood tests that your traditional doctor can order for you or there's a 
uh, a website, there's a, um, in my store, shop, uh, Breast Cancer Conqueror shop, you can actually order labs from Quest through, through, uh, through me, through my store. Really? I, there's a, I have a contract working. Oh, that's with amazing. Lab. Yeah. So people who, let's say their doctor is not on board with them, but they want to order these inflammatory markers or whatever, you know, there's all kinds of different panels. You want to make sure that your thyroid levels are optimal, especially for breast cancer. You know, that's so crucial. And then there's things that we call liquid biopsies. They're blood samples and there's different types. So one of them is called the cancer profile. And uh, this is done through a lab in Melbourne, Florida. And they look at the hormone HCG, which is normally a pregnancy hormone, right? But if you're obviously not pregnant, but you have high levels of HCG in your urine and in your blood, cancer cells produce that hormone. So it could be wow. a good screening tool. Um, we want to check the liver, like the GGT levels of the liver. PHI is a, is a malignancy uh, hormone. It shows us that there's lots of um, anaerobic activity going on. So that's part of the cancer profile. Uh, then there's another test called IV gene, I-V-Y-G-E-N-E. It looks at the cancer um, DNA methylation in the blood. So if there's cancer cells in the blood, which we all have, and there's, you know, certain levels, and they have tested four different kinds of cancers that they can identify with this IV gene test. So it's a good screening tool, but it's also a good tool to teach you if you're actively cancering, if you're in the red zone, that means you've got lots of cancer DNA in the blood. If you're in the green zone, then you're, you're good. You know, you're not actively producing that cancer. So it's a good tool to tell you if you, if you, you know, the good screening tool to alert you that there may be cancer going on, but it's also a good monitoring tool as well. I want to point out something you said, so everybody understands, like we are all susceptible to cancer. Mm -hmm. you know, just, and I think a lot of people get hung up on it's genetic and very few cancers are technically genetic, um, but, but, you know, our, our cells can sort of grow out of control at any given time. Um, and I also want to circle back to something that you said that I thought was so interesting because my sister would agree with you. You said something about that cancer was the symptom, not the cause. And one of the most upsetting things for me when my sister was diagnosed is, is she believed that she caused her cancer because mm -hmm. liver in Chinese medicine is the organ of anger. Yeah. And she believed just years of repressed anger um, with our mother um, who gave up custody, who was a drug addict, who um, emotionally abused her and neglected her severely. Um, so years of that anger toward our mother and then just angry about never meeting her father. He died in a car accident before she was born. She really felt like that that repressed anger is what caused her cancer, which just broke my heart. But it was actually something she worked on during that very short time of her cancer journey that she really worked on healing the anger and letting it go and forgiving. It's very hard to watch and get emotional, but it was also beautiful at the same time. So can you tell us what you believe caused the cancer? So when you look at uh, Eastern medicine and Chinese medicine, so the breasts uh, represent um, mothering, nurturing, um, family. 
that sort of thing. And the right side of the body, the right breast is the male side, the father side, left side is mother side. And so mine was on the left and I grew up in a very toxic environment. Uh, both parents were alcoholics. Uh, I was sexually abused from the age of three to five by a convicted pedophile. And this is like in the 1950s, okay? Uh, he was our next door neighbor and the police went door to door and warned the families, you know, he's a convicted pedophile, keep your children away. But, you know, my parents were too hung up on their problems and their work and everything. So I was always over there. But I never remembered that until I was in my late 40s when, you know, I had one of those repressed memories. So all this time, you know, I had this this abuse that, you know, subconsciously was running my life. I mean, I was a wounded child in an adult body, right? I picked horrible relationships, abusive relationships. Um, I had a bad relationship with my mother. There was no mothering at all, no love at all. And so, you know, it just manifested itself that way. And then when, when I, it became clear to me when I did a lot of work, there's, um, there's uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel wrote a book, The Art of Healing, right? Yes. He yeah, talks love about, him. you know, drawing, you know, what does, what is the tumor? What is the cancer trying to tell you? What is your body trying to tell you? And that, and I was writing things like, you know, self-hatred and disgust and all these things. And it just, you know, I just realized I just never felt lovable. And so there was just a lot of healing that had to go on. And you know, the, the good news at the end of all of that is I've been happily married for 10 years and, you know, found Aww. a wonderful man because I, you know, I did the work and I felt that I was deserving and I, I deserve to be loved. So there's always, always an emotional aspect to the cancer, which is, you know, essential number four, heal your emotional wounds. Um, you know, that has to be addressed. And until you address, you know, the issues of the heart and the mind, you you won't you won't heal you know you maybe you'll get rid of the tumor temporarily but it you know it the cancers to me cancer is is like an emotional cancer right if there's a lot of conflict going on in your head there's chaotic energy your immune system is going to be compromised there's no flow of energy it's just chaotic instead of symphonic and so um, you know for those who choose cancer can be a turning point in a good way because you realize you have so much control over how your body responds right and but it's a matter of taking responsibility for your health and and realize okay what brought me here to this point has created cancer in my body now i have a choice i can change my life it's not just getting rid of the cancer but it's it's transforming your whole life so that you don't go down that same path again. And so when it came back the second time, you, you were like a mother to people. Yes. Oh, yes. And that was really hard because I, I didn't tell anybody. I mean, obviously, my children and my, my husband knew, but I kept it quiet for three years. And I was still hosting, you know, the conferences and teaching and doing everything I was doing. But uh, what held my vision was that I knew that one day I'd be on, my, on the stage at a conference and I would share my story of healing. You know, that pulled me forward. I was so determined that I would do, you know, do it really right and really get to the core issues. And there were, you know, a lot more core issues that I didn't realize I had. And, you know, I had to change my life because 
I was living in that fight or flight mode all the time. I wasn't taking care of myself. I still had a lot of forgiveness and, and nurturing that I had to learn. You know, it's okay for me to take a nap in the afternoon now if I'm tired. <laughs> Never would I have done that before, right? Taking time off and doing more things that bring me joy and less things that bring me pain. Um, you know, so it was, it was just another big learning curve. And um, I'm grateful, very grateful because, you know, I, I like I tell our clients, you know, what is the gift? What is the gift that this cancer journey is bringing you? You can be the victim or you can be the victor. And oh, that's we beautiful. all have a choice. We all have a choice in that. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, what do you think was your worst moment? There was a point in my second healing journey where I was really doing everything like, you know, it's a full-time job almost, right? Your IVs, your supplements, your saunas, your meditation, <laughs> you know, all of that, coffee enemas. Um, and my numbers went up. That was, that was tough. That was tough because, you know, you expect things to start going down. And so I said, okay, this is giving me information, right? It's just information and tried to detach from it emotionally. And when you look at it that way, okay, it's just information. So what is this telling me? So it was telling me that there was something that wasn't quite right, the things that I needed to adjust. So I adjusted some things. And then from that point on, you know, the numbers started going down. So, you know, it's, it's not a straight shot, you know, on a healing journey, you're going to have ups and downs and numbers may go up, they may go down, but it's, it's a lifelong monitoring going forward. I mean, I still, um, you know, do the liquid biopsies once a year. I test my inflammatory markers every six months now, just, or sometimes every quarter, um, just to, you know, stay on top of my health. What was your best moment? Uh, my best moment was uh, telling my children and telling my family, you know, what my results were, um, you know, that I, I was no longer actively cancering and then being on that stage and sharing my story, you know, after three years of being in the closet, so to speak, you know, I was able to come out and say, hey, <laughs> this is what happened to me. I'm human. I, you know, because, you know, as, as you know, public persona you know people have this image of you the perfect life the perfect everything when in reality whew, we have our struggles just like anybody else so it was it was really good to be able to come out and say you know what this is what I did and this is what happens and this is what you can learn from it oh wow what conference did you you come out at <laughs> well it was actually my own healing diva retreat oh gosh the, the retreats and that must have been so inspiring yeah, a lot of tears, a lot of tears that afternoon, but it was, it was great. What is the one thing that you wish you had known at the very beginning of your first cancer journey? I would say what it, you know, what does it really take to heal the, the body? And I think when I, when I bring it all down, the emotional part of it is such a huge piece of the puzzle. And like most women, you know, we're really good at multitasking and doing things, right? We can get things checked off of, off of our list, but learning to be instead of always do, mm. that, was, that was the biggest lesson through this whole cancer journey, you know, both of them, is that it's okay to not always have your nose to the grindstone, 
It's okay to give yourself permission to relax, to take a nap, to meditate, to be calm and, and you know, learning to bring down your, your stress level every single day is, is very, very important. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of different meditations out there. One of the apps that I use is called the Heart Math app, uh, where it looks at your heart rate variability and it tells you if you're sympathetic dominant or parasympathetic, you know, the accelerator or the brake. Interesting. It's just a little clip you put on your ear. Um, it's called, it's from the heart math and they've been doing this research for decades and um, they What's found the difference between the two? Sympathetic is when you have the accelerator, you know, pedal to the metal, your mm. fight or flight. Okay. Parasympathetic. That's part of the nerve system. That's very calming. That's when you go into meditation and relaxation, digestion. But most of us aren't aware that we're in that fight or flight mode all the time. And you may, you, may, you may be meditating, but are you meditating effectively? And this little app shows you if you're still in the red zone or if you're in the green calm zone. And it really teaches your brain to connect with that calm space in your in your body and you know they've done so much research one one study they, they did just by projecting thoughts of anger and guilt and um, hate and disgust to little vials of dna it caused the dna to to shorten the telomeres to shrink and the dna to not function properly and then they took those same DNA and projected love and joy and gratitude. And then the DNA lengthened and calmed down and, you know, worked more effectively. So our thoughts, as Bruce Lipton talks about in the biology of belief, you know, our thoughts speak to every single cell in our body and affects our DNA. So if you are thinking negative thoughts and hateful thoughts about yourself or somebody else, that's what your cells are picking up. They're listening to every thought you think. So really, really, you know, getting to that core of, you know, this is where the healing begins in, in the heart and in the mind. It's not all the pills and all the stuff that you do. I mean, those help, obviously, because there's probably deficiencies and there's targeted therapies, you know, to weaken the cancer. But, you know, you have to address this. Yeah, you have to address the core. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the book, The Fifth Gear, I think it's called, or The Five Gears? No. I was, I was speaking at a conference last year when we still had those things. And after the conference, I went out to lunch with, with someone who had spoken as well. And he said, are you always like this? And I was like, what? Like what? And he said, are you always in fourth gear, fifth gear? And I had no idea what he meant, but that's what he was talking about. Mm, like always okay. just like ready to go because I just spoke and I was really amped up and he said, you need to get into third gear. And I just, I said, I have no idea what you are talking about. And he explained it to me and I said, oh yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm always like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I talk in my sleep and yeah, I am so fascinated by your story, by what you've done. We, we definitely have to put a link to um, everything Dr. V is talking about. We will put a link to um, as well as her book. Um, I can't wait to hear the answer to this question from you. 
if you could only do one thing, just one, to improve healthcare in the U.S., what would it be and why? I would connect more traditional doctors with integrative doctors and have them worked together more frequently um, because they each offer something that they can bring to the table. Uh, you know, we, I mean, we work with women that do traditional medicine, but we also teach them how to mitigate the side effects if that's the choice that they make, because there's a lot of things that you can do and your typical oncologist is going to say, no, don't take any supplements because it's going to negate the effects of chemo. However, the most updated research shows us that women who do supplementation and improve their diet and fast before they do chemo and all those things, that their tumor die-off is much quicker, their white blood cells, their immune system is much stronger. So, you know, there's, there's, there's things that can be brought together here. Um, and I think in the long run, it's to benefit the patient right? I feel, I feel so bad for our clients because they, they want to do something a, a specific way, but their oncologist, you know, yells at them and tells them to, you know, they're not going to be their patient anymore, or, you know, it's this way or the highway, or you're going to die in six months if you don't do this, you know, versus having, you know, having, um, you know, synergy and, and helping people to helping the patient to navigate both ends of the, of the journey. Do you think something like that needs to start in med school? Oh, absolutely. Yes. To educate them right away from the beginning um, and just let them know, you know, traditional medicine, conventional medicine has its place. I mean, they're good at crisis intervention, heart attacks, putting bones together, surgeries, that's those sorts of things. But when it comes to teaching people about wellness and health and, you know, traditional medicine is going to treat the tumor, whereas a more holistic approach is going to treat the person with the tumor, right? It's a right. whole, whole person approach. It's not just a tumor. It's a whole person. So what caused the tumor to, to grow? Is it toxicity? You know, are they being exposed to something toxic? Uh, is there a diet officer too much sugar? Is there an emotional? Is there dental? You know, the dental aspect is so important. Are they full of heavy metals and root canals? And, you know, wow. because those things can have a huge impact on your immune system. And, you know, the mercury in amalgams are, are metalloestrogens. They, they mimic and stimulate estrogen in the body. So, you know, these are things that they should be learning in med school. I didn't know that. You're talking about the fillings that we used to get that don't really exist anymore? Well, they exist. A lot of people still get them. The amalgams, the silver fillings. Really? Yeah, 50% yeah, mercury. And um, mercury is, is a metalloestrogen. It mimics and stimulates estrogen, just like aluminum. Antiperspirants, right? Aluminum is a metalloestrogen. Lots of chemical estrogens in the environment that are causing high levels of, of breast cancer and prostate cancer. So interesting. <laughs> I could just, I could, I could talk to you all day. Um, are you ready to just dive into the rapid fire questions? Sure. Okay. All right. Let's have some fun. Beach, desert, or mountains? Beach. Beach Boys, Beatles, or Rolling Stones? Beatles. <laughs> what is one word that best describes you? Loving. Before you die, what is the last song you want to hear? I did it my way. Oh. 
<laughs> Perfect. Um, the last meal you want to eat. Oh, the last meal I want to eat. Just a good big salad with some wild-caught salmon on it. <laughs> Sounds good. Last person you want to see. My children, my husband. And the last words you will speak. I love you. Um, and inside from Cancer U, what is the one resource you would recommend for cancer patients and caregivers? And I want you to talk about yourself now. All right. So breastcancerconqueror.com. Uh, we have all kinds of resources, um, eight years of blogs. Uh, we, all the blogs are broken down to each of the essentials. So if you have questions on toxicity or hormones or dental, everything's there. Um, we're on Facebook, social media. I also want to mention uh, something called My Breast Friend, which is a um, breast self-exam tool that uh, women, we've never been trained how to do breast exams, right? Oh so, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> so this, was, this is a model that was created by the Mammacare Foundation. And this is the model that doctors trained on to learn how to find lumps in women's breasts. And so the foundation and the manufacturer of the model asked me to take this to the general public so women could have access to learn how to do a proper breast self-exam. We've never been trained. We need to know what a lump feels like. We need to know how to find a lump. We need to know where to look for the lump. So this, this is a whole training system. And just real quickly here, the average size lump that a woman finds when she's not trained in a breast exam is the size of a ping pong ball. Ooh, that's when big. She, when she's properly trained, she can find something the size of a pea. And so wow. there's a huge difference in survival, right? Right. So proper breast self-exams is such an important aspect of, of wellness care. And for men too, you know, men, men, over 400 men a year die of breast cancer. So you can go to mybreastfriend.com and learn more about that training system. Dr. V, I'm just blown away. I, wow. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing your story and, um, and doing everything that you do and, um, and for still doing it after uh, a second bout with breast cancer. I know I speak for, for everyone when I say thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for all the work that you're doing, Andrea. You're going to touch many, many lives and help a lot of people with what you're doing. So I, I hope so. That's the goal. <laughs> well, you will. Thank you for listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. If you like our podcast, give us a five-star rating and review and tell your friends about us. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening right now. If you want to share your cancer journey with the world and be a guest on our podcast, go to our website, cancer.university. That's cancer.university. And hit the contact button or click the contact link in the show notes. You've been listening to the Cancer Youth Thrivers podcast. Real people, true stories. True stories.